Well, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 to 17, we'll continue on this series through this letter. 1 Peter 3, verse 8 to 17. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Well, do keep that open in front of you as we go through that this evening. But you know, I can remember being at school, uh, going into uh, what I thought was going to be a very ordinary uh, class, and going into the classroom, sitting down at my desk, and sitting down waiting for class to begin when this tall giant of a police officer walks through the door into the class and we're thinking oh no uh, who's done something wrong and this guy walks in and he stands at the front of the class and he just stares at all of the group of students that he has before him and he doesn't say anything for a few moments everyone's freaking out he just stands there just eyeing us all up And then out of nowhere, he slams, I'm not going to do it with the the communion, but he slams the desk in front of him, and he shouts at the top of his voice, he goes, fight or flight. And you you know, the whole class, as you you might expect, is a bit terrified at what this police officer's done, because he thinks, you know, you kind of think he's wanting a fight, but he's not trying to do that. But the whole point I think in what the police officer was trying to do, was trying to demonstrate, was that in situations of hostility, of anger, you only have a few moments to decide how you're going to react. Whether you're going to fight or flight, meaning you're going to turn away and run away from the situation. And you know, that's not an easy thing to do, is it? I know that when people are maybe hostile, maybe they say horrible things to you, uh, well, you don't want to sit back and take it, do you? You want to point out their hypocrisy. You want to point out all their faults. You want to give as much back as they've given you. And you know, when it comes 
to people being nasty and making horrible comments, insulting you because you follow Jesus, well, do you know, it can be doubly easy to be dragged into the debate and the heated exchanges of words. But also, I know myself that it can be easy to go the other way as well. Not fight, but flight. To choose the running away option, to become quieter in your faith. You become more anxious about being open and honest with the people around you. Shying away from standing for Jesus in the places that he's put us. But you know, this evening in 1 Peter, we'll see that in fact Peter tells us to respond to suffering, respond to hostility that we might find in a third way. Not fight, not flight, but rather as we'll see choosing to imitate Christ in the way that we choose to respond to others. Because let's remember who's, who Peter is writing to. He's writing to a bunch of Christians. They're scattered through what would be modern-day Turkey. And they're going through a tough time for following Jesus. We see it a bit further on in the letter. In chapter 4, verse 14, Peter says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. And so it seems that the suffering that they had to go through at that time was, was more verbal. It was verbal abuse that these Christians were going through. They were being insulted. They were being mocked for following Jesus. It might not be too dissimilar to what some of us have to go through. At school, at work, at home. And we've seen throughout 1 Peter... That despite this, despite the suffering, Peter encourages these Christians to keep going in following Jesus. Because despite the suffering, Jesus is worth every cost. We've seen that at the start, that we as Christians, we're exiles of this world. This is not our home. Peter says in one, uh, chapter 1 verse 3 that we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He says that we've been forgiven and rescued in chapter 1 of verse 19 by Jesus, we've just remembered it, by his precious blood poured out for us on the cross. We're rescued, free of sin and condemnation. And we've seen later on in chapter 2 verse 9 that although some might see Christians and mock Well, in God's sight, it's very different. Christians have an incredible identity. Chosen, royal, holy. God's special possession. And that identity then informs the way that we live. That's what we've been seeing through the rest up until our passage this evening. It affects the way that we live In society, it affects the way that we live at work. It affects, as we saw very helpfully last week from James, how we live at home as well. Well, as we go through uh, this passage in 1 Peter, there are just two points for us. And the first one is imitating Christ in suffering. Imitating Christ in suffering. You see, Peter gives the answer 
in how those who follow Jesus are to respond when they encounter hostility. Look with me at verse 8. He says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Peter first, he tells everyone to get on the same wavelength, to have the same mindset to be like-minded in love and humility and compassion with one another. But then comes Peter's command at how Christians are to respond. He says, don't repay evil with or insult with insult. Sorry, don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Peter says, don't fight and don't flight either, but rather choose to engage with nothing but grace and kindness and blessing to that person that is insulting you. And actually digging deeper into what that means In effect, it's a call to model the gospel in our relationships with those around us, especially with those who don't like us, who don't like us for following Jesus. Because this call to repay evil with blessing, isn't that everything? Isn't that everything that Jesus has done with us? Peter's already told us how Jesus responded when he was crucified. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 23. It says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Do you know, when you think about those moments on the cross... When those people were standing before Jesus, shouting the nastiest things at him. What does Jesus decide to say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus, in every possible way, when he was being unjustly and mercilessly beaten, decides to respond with nothing but blessing. To those who caused his suffering. And you know, when I think of the ways in my life, the ways that I have treated God so appallingly, we heard this morning, treating God appallingly, whether by being very good or being very bad. When I look at that times, the the amount of evil that I've done in his sight, and yet because of Christ... God has not repaid my evil with what it deserves, but rather repaid my sin, my evil, with nothing but blessing and unending love. And so every time Christians live this out, every time followers of Jesus are repaying evil with blessing, are repaying insult with kindness, we are modeling the gospel. We are modeling grace to those around. 
So at school, when someone's got it in for you, they know you're a Christian and you're at the end of everyone's jokes. How do we respond? Well, we respond by modeling the gospel, by imitating Jesus, so that people who don't deserve our kindness end up receiving it. So that the person who doesn't deserve the door held open for them, the person who doesn't deserve to have your spare pen, the person who doesn't deserve to see you smile at them in the morning, ends up getting it because it models the gospel and what Christ has done in our lives. It shows them that Christians are not of this world because it models the gospel. It models forgiveness and grace. This world does not know forgiveness and grace. You do one thing wrong, you're on the front of a paper. There is no room for grace. But Christians are to be countercultural. If you want to stand out for following Jesus, just live like this. And you will certainly be noticed. And that's what Peter goes on to show by quoting from Psalm 34 in verses 10 to 12. Look with me. He says, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, Peter is quoting here from Psalm 34, and Psalm 34 was written by David at a time where he was experiencing persecution. He was experiencing suffering at the hands of King Saul. He's been unjustly treated. But as we, ter- if you turn to that psalm and you read it all the way through, you'll see a major theme that goes right the way through. And that is despite the suffering that David went through, he knew that God would deliver him. He knew that God saw what he was going through. He knew that God saw what his enemies were doing. He knew that God would rescue him. And you know, it's the people that Peter was writing to would have seen Peter quoting from this psalm. And as they turned back, this would have been a huge encouragement to them. And to us, our God sees the suffering we go through. And our God will deliver us. Our God will deliver us when Christ comes. Imitating Christ in suffering. And finally, second point, honouring Christ in suffering. Honouring Christ in suffering. And let's read the second part of our passage from verse 13. Look with me. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. 
And this last section, Peter encourages those he's writing to to not be frightened. He says, do not fear their threats. And in writing that very command, well, it shows that they must have obviously been very frightened. It's clear that for the early church that Peter was writing to, it wasn't easy to be public with your faith. It wasn't easy. It was, it was daunting rocking up to work on Monday with everyone knowing that you follow Jesus. With everyone knowing you're a Christian. And Peter says, don't be frightened. Now, that's super easy to say, isn't it? That is super easy to say. Oh, just don't be frightened. But in practice, when you're a Christian surrounded by people who really do not like you, who insult you and mock you. That is tough. And it is frightening. It is frightening. And I mean, it's not a lot of good telling someone just not to worry about it, is it? I mean, when has that ever worked? When someone's worrying, you go, oh, don't be worried. It never works. But you see, Peter doesn't do that. He says, do not be frightened. And he gives the reason for why these suffering Christians and why us here this evening do not have to fear. Peter says, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Peter says, don't look at them, look at Christ. Don't have a big view of those around you, have a bigger view of Christ. And not just Christ, but he says Christ as Lord. Christ as the King of kings. The one who sits in all power and authority in the throne of heaven. Get a bigger, get a grander and more glorious view of Jesus. And Peter says, that's the antidote to fearing those around you. Because do you know, when you're a Christian... It's easy to go into school and feel very small. It's very easy. You've got everyone around you, you feel powerless, you feel weak, you feel alone. You feel small. And it's also doubly easy to see those who are around you, to see the governing authorities maybe, to see your friends, your family, people that you go to school with or your colleagues at work, as a lot bigger than you. They look way more powerful. They're way more in control than you. They're bigger. But Peter says, and this is where I need, hang on, sorry. Peter says, get a bigger view of Christ. Sorry, Andrew, I don't want to knock over you. There we go. Hopefully, there we go. It's Hugo, by the way. There we go. Get a bigger view of Christ. Because if, you're, if, if, if our focus is on Christ, then that changes everything. Suddenly I'm not so scared because the one I'm looking to is the one who holds my life in his hands. He is the judge and ruler of all for all eternity. That is my king. And he's risen. Peter says, revere Christ as Lord. Get a bigger view of Christ. 
and suddenly everyone else, everything else just looks, well, kind of weak compared to my king. Peter says, revere Christ as Lord. And I'm not saying that it's the cakewalk, therefore, living life for Jesus, but it certainly gets my focus right. Because I certainly care more about what Christ thinks than I do about those that I find that I'm working around, that I'm with all the time. He's king. And so in our suffering, we honor, we obey, we look to Christ as Lord. But you see, even though Peter knows and he expects Christians to go through some kind of suffering, well, he also expects opportunities alongside that. He says that in the second half of verse 15, look with me. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. You see, for Peter, when Christians are living as exiles in this world, as, as Christians are living lives that are, are so countercultural, they're living lives that model the gospel, well, Peter says eventually they're going to ask you, why are you different? For Peter, that's a guarantee for faithful Christians. Faithful Christians living out the gospel will be asked about what they believe. And so he says, be prepared, just like the scouts are told. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I I don't think Peter's telling us to go around with printed copies of our Testament. Maybe maybe that would be a very helpful thing to dish out and to whip out whenever anyone asks us a question. But rather to be prepared that actually every day is an opportunity where God might send someone and open their heart to ask us a question. To ask us why we are different. Why we are behaving in such a way. Peter says be prepared. And he says to do it with gentleness and respect. Again, back to the start, repaying insult with blessing. And the aim of all this is what Peter says at the end in verse 16. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter hopes that these Christians, as they live out these lives, modeled on Jesus, imitating him, well, even those that insult Christians, Peter hopes, will get to the point where they recognize that it's shameful to treat people who live by responding to insult with only blessing. It's a shameful thing to treat people like that. It's like what Peter said back in chapter 2, verse, verse 12, where he says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. To live in such a way where people have already got their ideas, already got their negative stereotypes about what Christians are like. But to look at the way that Christians live and the way that Christians speak, and they hold the two together and they just go, it doesn't match up. Christians are meant to be hypocrites and arrogant, yet every time I see Martin in the office, he's blessing and loving everyone around him, even those that hate him. And so we pray it doesn't just lead to peace with us, but rather, as Peter says, it leads to them knowing and receiving peace with God in Christ. 
Well, this week, as we head into the places where God has placed us, as we live out our exile identity as those who follow Jesus, well, let's prepare ourselves for the fact that it's not going to be easy following Jesus. It's a tough call. We go knowing tomorrow we might be the source of everyone's jokes. The outsider in the office or at school. We go knowing that not all of our friends are going to like our decision to live with Christ as our king. But as we go through that, let's be encouraged and challenged by Peter's word to imitate Christ, to model gospel lives. By repaying insult with blessing, repaying anger with kindness, just as Christ has done with us. And let's be encouraged to honour Christ in that suffering. And having him as our focus, a bigger and more glorious view of the king that we follow. To care more than anything about Christ's opinion than ourselves or those around It's Christ we follow, it's him we love, it's him we fear. And it's it's what Peter says, it's him we honour by being ready to declare our hope that we found in him. Well, we're going to take some time very, very, very quickly. (laughs) Wow, did not factor in that illustration into the timing. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But um, there are some questions on the board. Um, Two minutes, yeah. Um, Take something helpful. Um, Yeah, great, sorry.